I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Tuesday. Rams win as an underdog at Tampa Bay. Now the Rams are tied with Seattle, both for the NFC West and Super Bowl odds. NFC East. This is the favorites. These are the favorites. Philadelphia first, then Dallas, then New York, then Washington. But they're all so tight. Imagine Philly being the favorite. We're going to break it down, including Washington Dallas on Thursday. Later after the show, college football playoff odds. These are the four favorites as of now. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225-plus FSR stations across this great, great nation. We got a little news update on our station carriage, but we'll wait for that. In studio, full house today, Steve Fezzik and Maddie Holt, the VIG, former bookmaker, now CEO, U.S. Integrity. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. You know, Thanksgiving week, we're lucky enough to be off Thursday and Friday, so we have to condense all the great info into three days. That's not easy. So Jonas, he's in L.A., he's the fan. Not a lot of jibber-jabber today, okay, bud? All right, yeah, no jibber-jabber for me. And RJ, (laughs) on a day in which we've got COVID-positive tests in the NFL that are putting a game in jeopardy, we've also got a lot of reaction to what we saw last night on Monday Night Football. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? I think you're right. Let's foul away. Monday night, let's get it done. I think there's a takeaway here that involves Tampa Bay, and if you're a Tampa fan, I don't think it's a good one. Yeah, and you mentioned it in the intro, the L.A. Rams, an underdog on the road, a 27-24 win last night in Tampa Bay over the Bucks. The question you have to ask yourself is, what would have Tampa taken as a franchise with Tom Brady signing? The day the signing happened, when they said – they called the golf course, said, Bruce Arians, we got Brady. He's like, all right, I'll, I got four more holes I'll be in. When that happened, at least that's the story. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was working. What could have been the reasonable expectations of Tampa Bay? I would have said one Super Bowl in two years they would have signed up for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Faz, you think anyone would say, no, not enough? <laughs> no, one would be fantastic. Okay, so now what you're hearing is, the following debate. Is this team, this Tampa team, really that much worse than we thought? Or are they pretty much on pace? Colin today was saying a lot of people had nine wins. A lot of people had ten wins. That's their pace. And we expected all along them to get better as the season progressed. 
a COVID year, off-season change was going to be problematic, or at least it was going to be slow to adopt. And thus we said, new coaches, downgrade early. You look at the Giants, for example, playing much better as the season progresses. Carolina played pretty well even at the beginning, but better, I think, or at least as well. I think Carolina was real surprising. But in general, new coaches and new quarterbacks, big question marks. So that means Tampa should get better. We also know that there's luck that, that, hey, you can be the best team. You can be, I think the Saints have certainly deserved the Super Bowl in the last five years. They just haven't gotten it. You know? Heartbreak in the playoffs. Different heart, different kind of coin, miracles, you know, whatever, right? In Minneapolis. But here's the thing I think that makes that wrong. All the people saying just wait, they're doing just fine, is wrong. And here's why. Tom Brady may be the best 43-year-old quarterback that's ever walked the earth. And the stats say he is the best 43-year-old quarterback. He's 43 years old. And you know what? Yesterday was the youngest he'll ever be again. Tom Brady's older today. Fess, so are you. Older tomorrow, etc. I just checked that on my abacus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure where the wall is. But it feels like it isn't that far away. And we also know this, for five or six years, all the way since Brady's been a young 38 or whatever, Fez, you've made the point he gets worse as the season progresses. Now, why is that, Tom well, Brady? Well, it makes sense. When you get close to age 40, game after game, you take a few hits, and you're just not going to be 100%. No one's 100% by December, and the older you are, the harder it is to heal from the bruises. Harder it is to heal, the accumulation over the years, and now over the, the, the weeks— and Tom Brady's best year of the last handful was the year he was suspended for Deflategate. He didn't play those four games, and then Game 16 was really Game 12 for him. All right? Well, we're not seeing that now. Last year, Tom or uh, Breeze had a similar situation, hurt his hand. A lot of people said, "You know something? Maybe that's an advantage that that Breeze is going to have rest, and he'll be in." You had can, a great December. He had a, he was the Player of the Month in December. And let's not forget, and I've heard this from a lot of people I really trust in the NFL, that Tom Brady is struggling with these night games because he's used to going to bed around 930 and he has a very, (laughs) I'm serious, he has a very strict sleep regimen and they moved practice up because he literally gets like 10 hours of sleep a night. And if you look at it, the night game against Chicago, the night game here, the night game against the Saints, he has struggled in every single night game, primetime game this year. And a lot of people say that he's not doing good outside of this natural um, sleep environment that he's used to getting now. It's a great point, because there's two ways to look at this, and it reminds me of Kirk Cousins. A lot of people said Kirk Cousins struggles against good teams. He struggles when the lights are bright. What Jonas helped us uncover was, oh no, he's a man of routine, Cousins, and when he gets out of that 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff routine, he struggles. It looks like the same thing. But we think, because when we did the study, when he played really good teams at 1 Eastern, he was fine. Tom Brady, you might say, hey, he can do well against bad teams, but when he plays the best teams is when he struggles. Well, the Bears aren't a best team. No. But But they're a best D. Yeah, but it kind of goes against the point. Yeah. (laughs) Is They lost the game, right? And Brady's role in it. I would say this. 
Um, hmm. I don't know, Feds. Why don't you take over? What you got? <laughs> well, just what you were saying, that Brady's— No, no, it wasn't what I was saying. Oh. I'm sure of that. Go, but go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, the, the QBR is that Brady—two bad games against New Orleans and a bad game against Chicago, now a bad game against the Rams, the only good game against a contender, Green Bay. That's it. But his, ba- his worst games are coming at night when his sleep routine is disrupted. Like yours might have been last night. Did you get a good night's sleep? No. <laughs> I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Fez's, Fez's mic's going off. Uh, say something. Hello? Uh, no, Hello? He's not here anymore. I'm going to close my eyes and act like he's not here. All right. So the point was, yes, in general against bad defenses or good defenses, you're going to not play as well as a quarterback. It's all relative what the expectations are. I believe what you're saying, we know with Brady, Matt, that it's not that he's not he gets nervous against good teams or something, right? We know it's not that. Could it be that the higher competition is the problem? Maybe, but boy, it feels like that night game is a factor, right? Because at some to some degree, we can just say coincidentally, oh, he did fine against Green Bay, but it's like, well, yeah, but that was a day game. That's so right. Green Bay's good, though. We could say, well, Green Bay doesn't have a good defense, but I don't know. All right, so other than the nighttime issue, other than uh, Tampa, I guess, and, and just to kind of finish my point on Tampa, is I think coming into this in da- this effort that Tampa's making to push for a Super Bowl, you could have said the following. You could have said, when Tom Brady's younger, they're not going to be integrated as a team. They're not going to be comfortable with each other because they're new. And then by the time they're new, the newness is over and they're more acclimated to each other. He's going to be older. And that maybe it was never going to be right. It was never going to be Brady's playing well and he's integrated with the team. Maybe it was inevitable that each day that passes, Tom Brady gets more integrated with the team but he gets to be less of a quarterback because he's getting to be an age that no one's ever been a good quarterback at his age. He's the best at his age. I don't know how good he is. We're straight out of Vegas. Jonas Knox, what was your main takeaway from the game? I was really impressed with the Rams. I think, and, and this has been my one thought on L.A., Just in, and we've talked about this, the NFC West felt like it was so wide open. You had Arizona, you had the Rams, you had the Seahawks. The one difference that the Rams have over those other two teams is they've got a real defense and they've got real studs on that side of the ball. And it just makes me wonder. I'm still skeptical on Jared Goff. He has a couple more picks last night. I don't know that I trust him uh, in, in a big-time game, but I do think the Rams have a defense and the ability to run the ball, if they can establish that, to at least be somewhat of a threat. And I think they're the favorite to win the NFC West. Mm, so odds-wise... They're right there, and, and we'll get those updated odds put up, and I'll read them to you. Let me ask you this. Can the Rams run? I mean, obviously, if we look at the stats last night, the running, the total yards running, uh, let's see here, rushing, first downs, rushing. Okay, it looks like there was 2.3 yards per attempt for Tampa, yards per attempt for the Rams. And the total was 37 yards for the Rams, 42 for Tampa. I mean, Joe, I I hear you. The Rams' offense is predicated on the run, that they run, then they pass off the play action. I just wonder if that's true, especially with Whitworth out. 
and, and, and the line being compromised. Yeah, and that's that's the big caveat. And, that, and my, my point on that was if they can get back to running the ball, even somewhat close to when Todd Gurley was near his prime, and, and still I don't know if we've ever figured out what happened to Todd Gurley injury-wise. I think we were still trying to get those answers from Atlanta when we were out there. But <laughs> n- nonetheless, if they can – I don't trust Jared Goff in shootouts. Uh, we've seen it once or twice. I just think they're better off when they come out. They're using a bunch. You saw Cooper Cup put up a big uh, game last night. You saw Higby. They've got all these other weapons. If they can get a run game going, at least somewhat comparable to what they did a couple of years ago, I think they could be a real threat. As it stands mm. right now, I just I just don't trust Jared Goff uh, to be able to take them to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and in a way, I think saying if they can get a run game is like saying if Seattle can get a defensive. I just don't know if it's fundamentally yeah. there. Because the O-line, the, the Rams have exceeded expectations greatly. Matty Holt, usintegrity.com, why do you think that? If, if, if I said, what's been the difference in the Rams from what you expected, what would it be? Maybe the secondary play. I mean, they went out and acquired some really key pieces, obviously, and then paid one of them big money. And I think that that secondary now, you could put those guys out on an island and allow that pass rush to do what they do best, which is rush the passer and without having to blitz. And that's made the biggest difference. Yeah, I would agree. I think what we're saying is Ramsey's covering one, blanketing one guy. Yep. Uh, Donald is causing, wrecking havoc inside. Yep. It's schemed up really well. Right, because you got some good. Remember, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and it was handpicked. Right, remember we were getting McVay retreads to be okay. This guy once cut the grass, McVay. He's the coach of Cincinnati or whatever, and now it's McVay going out saying of all the young coaches that aren't coordinators, he gets to pick his pick. Pretty much, he picked them. I was really struck in the off season. We talked about it right here on Straight Out of Vegas. They did, weren't going to the combine. McVay wasn't. The coordinators weren't. Because they were like hunkered down, getting ready for the season. I thought, wow, for coaches, that combine is like a convention. They're shaking hands, they're hanging out, they're having great dinners. They weren't, they weren't having any part of it. Because you know why? Unfortunately, this is the Rams' best year. Because as some of these bad contracts start coming due, it, last year they thought it was all in, but they didn't. You think about it. No, this is the year that that, that it's going to be hard to re-sign people. And they st- Goff is way overpaid. Yeah. Obviously, there's still uh, ramifications from the Gurley contract. And Ramsey's probably overpaid. It's hard to, I mean, usually the best cornerback doesn't stay the best cornerback too long. Revis Island, et cetera. So this is, feels like their year. A lot of people thought this was already too late. But I think we're seeing they could be, at minimum, the second best team in the West. I mean, I think with, or in the NFC, I think with, Drew Brees, Saints are still better, but it's close. Jones. It, especially if you look at all the injuries San Francisco suffered. You can't spoil a year like this with that team devastated by injuries, defending NFC champs. Uh, we're clear, clearly the best team in the division last year. This does feel like th- the opportunity the Rams have this year may be the best they're going to see for quite some time. I agree. All right, let's do this. Let's take a first break. And when we come back, I'm going to make the case – the Tampa will not win a Super Bowl, and that Bruce Arians is to blame. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! 
Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are Straight Out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get into the blame game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for Steve Fezzik's horrible winning, or I guess we'll call it a losing streak, his mic is still off. You know, that's how we punish around here. We say, you don't have a voice anymore. I'm going to let Steve bet himself back onto the air. So, in the next five minutes, Steve, raise your hand at a given point that you think you have a great comment. We'll turn your mic back on. And if it's good, your mic's on for the rest of the show. If it's not, 10 more minutes off. So you really bet you have it now? Yeah. Oh my hold, hold on. Go ahead. All right. The Rams are twelfth in the league in rush prevalence. They run the ball forty four. What's rush prevalence? They basically in every so nine the percentage of running the ball. Yes. Okay. Last night they ran the ball twenty eight percent of the time. That would be last in the league. They abandoned the run against Tampa Bay successfully. They abandoned the run successfully. It's like if a guy leaves his family and he ends up like marrying a hotter girl, it's like he abandoned his family successfully. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you try to be funny, but I'll, I'll let him back on. But I got a hair trigger on this mic. Who knows what's going to happen? Good day to join. We got Matty Holt with us, too, U.S. Integrity. <laughs> this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. And Jonas, did you hear? Phoenix is joining the party. That's right. What do you think of that? I, I love it. Uh, that's a good market. There's, uh, They've got a, a bunch of sports out there. They love their Arizona Cardinals. They love their Phoenix Suns. Um, even their Coyotes, they're all over. I, but I, we I won't be it. talking Coyotes. If anyone's confused, <laughs> don't be confused. I mean, you can hey. bet on anything, though. That's that's the good thing. And, and remember, half of our audience, don't they don't even bet. They just want to know more than their buddies. So welcome, Phoenix. And you know, we love, yeah, listen, I love America. I do. And not every part of it, but I, I'm not, you know, we all got our things. But as a country, I couldn't even imagine wanting to be anywhere else. I don't know, Italy, maybe if I had a villa, but that'd be as an, you know, as, you know, still with my U.S. citizenship. I could see, like, with, um, what is it? The, uh, the dude that was on ER, George Clooney. Clooney hangs out in Italy, they say, like three or four months a year. Yeah, is it Lake Cuomo, I think? Is, is that, that right? See, I don't know. See, I don't even know about that. I could see doing that, but still with my U.S. passport. That works. What do you think? I'm in. Yeah, let's do All it. Right. Well, I'd invite you. You'd be hosting the show <laughs> when I'm in Italy. Is it kind of the whole thing? All right. <laughs> we are the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much. And we'll keep trying. I'll keep Fez's mic on or off based on how well he's doing. By the way, Fez, Matty Holt crossed bet on your pick to win more than 51% of your games when you had to pick seven of them. He hasn't been here for a while. You might want to break the news to him. 30, 38, and two, eight games below 500. Uh, what happened? <laughs> Not going to lie, there have been some setbacks. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. When's your last winning week? I actually had a th- three weeks ago, I had a really good week, and then a two and five, and a three and four. And probably the, the, the low light was I managed to lose one week with the Chargers plus six and a half, and it was the only book that dealt well, hold the on six a second. and a half. Hold on a second. That was the second week of the yes. year. Yes. 
It's week eleven. <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about that game for? I, I, I lost Arizona minus two and a half on the Hail Mary game. I, I bet it after the line moved. Yeah. He smells. Not good, John. It's not good. <laughs> it's not. Also not good is what happened in Tampa Bay last night for the Buccaneers. They fall 27-24, RJ, to the L.A. Rams. We talked about uh, the playing side of things. We talked about the Bucks last segment. We talked about the Rams. Now the attention turns to the coaching staff and one Bruce Arians. And I'm going to make this one quick because I think it's really strong and really not able to be overcome. Bruce Arians has never been in a situation, except with the Steelers, in which the teams he played were focused on him as if this is our biggest game of the month. Think about the Patriots. Think about the Steelers. Think about Tampa Bay this year. When Tampa comes to town, Michael Jordan style, everyone's focused. It's Brady. Let's put Brady down. I want to show myself against Brady. It's Breeze against Brady. It's so-and-so. Bruce Arians was pretty okay with Arizona, but whoever was going thinking, well, you know, you see in three weeks we got Arizona. Nobody. In the NFL season, when Steelers play the Ravens, there's an intensity you just don't see typically. Even Raiders, Chiefs, now with Gruden, intensity. Now, don't forget, Bruce Arians was fired effectively by the Steelers. They said, no, thank you. We're going to go another direction. As an offensive coordinator, forget a head coach. So my point is this. And Jonas, as a fan, maybe you can be my counter or, or be my eyes on this, is when I watch it, when I read the analysis, I'm thinking, wow, Bruce Arians is the opposite of Bill Belichick, that every way that Belichick wins games that are tight, that are close, it seems like there's just a little sloppiness, a little less prep, a little like, oh, the other team had something prepared that you weren't ready for. I think this is a different level of intensity week to week in the prep of the opposing coaches. And the Rams were in a bad spot. The Rams were in a bad spot. And the fact they could come in here and win, and Bruce Arians going, oh, I think we did pretty well, but uh, you know, we just got to execute. It feels like he's out of his depth. Yeah, and, and also I remember watching the Football Life documentary on Bruce Arians and, uh, you know, our, our new friends on 910 uh, Sports in Phoenix on Fox Sports there, they know about this with Bruce Arians. They know it all too well. His big thing with his coaches, his staff, he would tell them, if you miss any kid's birthday, if you miss any holiday, any family, anything, you're fired. He said, leave this place when you leave here. Do not think about it. Do not bring it home. He takes the complete opposite approach to Bill Bel- to of Belichick. You mean he, he loses not- Yeah, and, and, and there, there is Yeah, and there is that element to it, but he refuses to let his coaches be hijacked or totally consumed with their job and let it take away from their family responsibilities. That's a big sticking point for him, and it was, it, it was showcased in that documentary. Which goes to show you, Tom Brady did not have many choices. You think Tom Brady really wanted to – I mean, because you could say, well, I heard this narrative. Brady wants to have fun from here. He's only got a little bit of his career left. He wants to have fun. The guy doesn't go go to sleep past 9 o'clock or whatever. I don't think that's fun, right? Hey, you want to go to a movie? Uh, We go into the 4.30. No, can't. You know, got to go to the 6. Forget it. I'll, I'll be in bed. I mean, that's not the definition of fun, right? And he's trying to win. 
And I really bring up this point again. Where was Brady going to go if not Tampa? What was the other choice? The Chargers. I know San Francisco, in theory, considered it. What else? The Chargers were mentioned. Uh, I heard the New Orleans Saints, and I heard the Bears were a couple of But the what was the saying? He was going to back up Drew Brees? The, the talk was they weren't sure that Drew Brees was going to come back this year. Okay, but now that he came back, I mean, what we're saying is, and Bears kind of would have made sense, but I don't think they were. Were they even. Faz, do you remember their odds, the Bears ever being in the top seven or eight? No, the Bears' season win number was eight, dropped, bet down to seven and a half. Yeah, but I guess my thought would be, and I don't remember this now, did they sign, when was the signing with Foles? Was it before or after Brady? They traded for Foles, I think, before Brady. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they wouldn't have brought Brady in with Foles too, right? But but I got And, and also, people were surprised. This was after... The season began, and it was a report that came out on a Sunday morning in which they said, you know, not only was it the Chargers and the Bucks that were in on the Tom Brady sweepstakes, the Raiders kicked the tires on it. They were interested. Mm-hmm. I in heard him. that one. Yeah. Um, then, But he you, wasn't going to win there necessarily. Yeah, and so the other two surprise teams were the Saints and the Bears. Those were the other. But that came out way afterwards, and nobody heard and, those rumors before. Yeah, which is code for we got to go back and cover our tracks, too, right. sometimes. Yeah. Because – because to me, if you saw Tom Brady, I could see having like a really tough dad, like the great Santini, and then saying, okay, I want to get away from that. I'm going to go be a hippie. I'm going to do whatever. But Brady hasn't changed his discipline. It's not like he's looking for a spring break. He's as disciplined as ever, which means he thinks it's important to have a coach who's one of the least disciplined coaches and drinking beer and you know all that stuff. I like I like a beer, but think of the great coaches in history. Jimmy Johnson, he had to quit at a young age because it was just too much, too hard. Dick Vermeil. I mean, how many of these coaches? There is Belichick's the only one that has had longevity in that way and kept the intensity. Fez, you did an analysis about a year ago of coaches that made the Hall of Fame pre sixty years old. Post 60 years old, give us the quick synopsis. Yeah, so the Hall of Fame coaches, after they turn age 60, basically become average coaches. 52% straight up wins. Exactly. Belichick wins 76% after he turns age 60. Every bit as good as what he was. And this was as of last year? Yes. So think it was better than before. Yeah, it actually was a little bit better. Yes. So think about this. You take the best coaches that ever walked the earth, that's the Hall of Fame coaches, and Consider every game they coached after the age of 60, 60 and beyond, they were 52%, slightly above average. I mean, the smallest amount. And Belichick, 75 plus. And better than he was, because Belichick isn't the type to overstrike. He just worked. Some people find work stressful. Belichick, that's why he's alive. He wants to work. And I'm not saying everyone should be like that, but if you're getting paid millions of dollars, you should be working really hard. Matt, you run a startup. You had a vice presidency at Cantor, all the accoutrements of that, and you said, no, 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 I'm going to go raise money, run a startup. How much are you working a week? Oh, at least 65 hours a week. And I'm guessing you miss, again, you're a great father, but you miss a recital now and again. It's tough to make them all. I mean, if Matty Holt running his company with 15 employees, which is outstanding, to have 15 employees, but it's like a small operation relative to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
or Arizona Cardinals, how can the fiat from the top, the rule be, don't miss anything? You miss things, Joan. It's for radio, sh- uh, to get paid by hour for radio, right or wrong? Yeah, I was here uh, two days after my wedding. We didn't even go on a honeymoon. Yeah, I didn't really. I thought you that, that one day you missed on Friday was a bit much, but I'm fine with it. I'm not going to judge it. <laughs> I had to put it together. We're in a pandemic. We can't hire help. <laughs> I thought you wanted to be there. I didn't realize that. I wanted That's to work. <laughs> We're straight out of Vegas. I'm going to let Maddie Hope pick the topic because he's got a lot of good ones. I'm going to let him pick it. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. In celebration of Fox Sports Radio's 20th anniversary, we will be naming the top 20 athletes of the past 20 years from 2000 all the way through 2020. Tune in to The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio tonight, 9.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, as we begin revealing the top 20 list. Tonight, they'll be unveiling numbers 16 through 20 of the best athletes of the century, athletes from 12 different sports, Crack the top 20 list. Will your favorite athlete make the cut? Tune in tonight at 9.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific to The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio to find out. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. All right, Maddie Holt. You're getting a little national attention here. Hold on. Step into the spotlight. What's our topic? So I thought we should go with, in 20 minutes, the first college football playoff um, standings will be released, and we should talk about how the Vegas odds are going to differ from what those first CFP rankings will be in 20 minutes from now. Ooh, okay, here's the current odds. Alabama favored plus 150. 100 wins you 150. The Ohio State University plus 225. Clemson plus 350, three and a half to one. Then... Florida, 10 to 1. Notre Dame, 16 to 1. Feds, look at this. Northwestern, they're usually underdogs in anything they do, 50 to 1. Uh, well, I think Notre Dame, we're talking here at 16 to 1, the fifth choice. They're likely to be the number two choice. That win over Clemson and the fact that the, the number of games in these played. rankings. So in these rankings. Bama 1 or Bama State 1? No, no, Bama 1. Okay. Notre Dame, two, because they're 8-0, and that includes the win over Clemson. Ohio State will be three because they've only played four games. They're 4-0, and then it'll be interesting. I think Clemson will still be four in the committee. I think Florida will be five. Texas A&M will be six. We don't even have odds up for Texas Mm -hmm, A&M. Here's my question. Notre Dame at 16-1, the average fan is going to say, wow, they they beat Clemson. We know that the quarterback was out, but wow, they just got to win that one. Does this tell us that Notre Dame only gets in if they beat Clemson a second time? I think so. Because a lot of talk was if they split, that Notre Dame will still make it. It seems like these odds are saying no, no, no. Fez, what do you think? You know, I actually disagree. Okay. I think these odds are saying that Notre Dame isn't very good mm-hmm. and that they're going to be a seven-point dog to an Ohio State or an Alabama, right, So first off, a seven-point dog to Ohio State and Alabama is still a pretty good team. I mean, uh, it, can I get uh, minus seven with Alabama, please? <laughs> or what, what do you think the opener is going to be? Oh, 13. The, 13. Alabama, 13. So what you're saying is if you actually assume that Notre Dame makes the playoffs and then they play as a 12 – or let's say the first game they're a 10-point dog, the second game – they're a 14-point dog. If they win, you're saying mathematically that's about 16-1 to 1 anyway. Exactly. Jonas. Wasn't Notre Dame a four-point underdog at home to Clemson and their backup quarterback when they played? I think, it was, I think they were a four-point underdog at home. 
You Bigger than that, it was five. Okay. Five. Okay. So is the assumption then what? I think Trevor Lawrence, if I remember, the adjustment was only five or six points, right? Yeah. The latest talk is that it would be less than an adjustment now. Because, but at the time, but, but five why would it be less now? Uh, just because the backups played so well, played such oh. a great game in Notre Dame. Yeah, but it really wouldn't be a question. Uh, it, it, the question is if. Based on that line that we saw against that assumption of You're the backup, right. then yes. let's say that we move five. So we're saying it'd be a 10 point line with Trevor Lawrence on now, the road. Yeah, now it goes neutral. Now, no fans. So 12. We're, we're yes. saying we estimate around Clemson, Notre Dame, Clemson will be 12. Yep. And you're saying first round, second round would be about that anyway. That's right. So now, is that then saying that Notre Dame has a heck of a chance to get in? That even if they lose to Clemson, they probably are. Uh, what to get it? I guess let's do this. I bet there's uh, odds to get into the playoffs. I don't have them in front of me. So let's take our break. And when we come back, we'll look at those hopefully playoff odds because I'm interested. If Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC final, would they still make it? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., the first college football playoff rankings are set to be released in a little over 10 minutes from now. And we were talking before we went to break about the odds of what this could look like moving forward. Yeah, so the real question is, and, and I think what's more interesting is looking at what are the odds of making the playoffs? Because once we're in the playoffs, it's really driven by how good these teams are. And we know Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they're the three best teams. So let's look at who's favored first to make the playoffs. All right. The Ohio State Buckeyes are 11 to win a dollar. So they're huge favorites, huge favorites. You got about eleven to win a dollar to make the playoffs. Alabama, same thing. Eleven wins a dollar. The third favorite with one loss, Clemson. So what we're saying is the odds are telling us if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship, they're in. Does anyone see any scenario that they're not in in that case? No. 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 All right. So we're pretty much what we're saying is Clemson's odds are about the same as they're going to be over Notre Dame. Minus 480 or so. Yes. Yes. Okay. So don't be as Al Michaels would say, lest anyone be confused, Clemson just needs to win out. Here's where it gets interesting. The fourth favor and they're the only other minus money favor. Notre Dame. It's almost minus 300, minus 280 is the price. So you only get, if you bet three bucks, you only get a dollar if Notre Dame wins. So really, what we're saying is, though it's not a sure thing, if Notre Dame loses, these odds are telling us they're in too, as long as they don't lose another game, if they lose to Clemson. Now that sounds boring, and I don't think it's true. I would look like maybe look to bet against Notre Dame here. I would, too, because I don't think it's true either, because they're only a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite this week. So you're talking about a team that's not quite a pick em game, but not a huge— pers- Against? Uh, at North Carolina. Okay. So I think there's two ways to question Notre Dame. One is they might lose a game before Clemson. This week. Okay. 
But also, let's say they don't. Let's say they win and win and win and then lose. Or how many games they got left and they lose to Clemson? Yep. Are we sure that the first team in the history of the college playoffs to lose a championship game and make the playoffs will be Notre Dame, who is are interlopers, who are part-time participants in this conference? I'm not 100% sure, especially if Cincinnati and BYU could get that game scheduled to play each other and get a 14th win, maybe. What do you think, Jonas, about if, Notre Dame specifically if they lose to Clemson? If they lose a close game to Clemson, I think they get mm. in. If they get blown out, I could see, see them getting left out. So you think of all the teams that's ever lost a championship game, the best one is this Notre Dame team? No, I just think this year and the way that it's played out is a different is a different situation. Now that is interesting because I'm going to make the following case to you, Jonas, that this year would be the year I think it's least likely you get a loser in a championship game making the playoffs, and here's why. Oregon has a path. Cincinnati has a path. BYU has a path. USC has a path. So, Matt, give me an example uh, of whichever one you want there of how the paths you see for these teams. Sure. So, Florida simply has to go to the win out, go to the SEC title game, beat Alabama, and you that's will it? have two. Yeah, because then you'll have two <laughs> SEC teams in. Okay. Now, that's interesting, though. And they take Notre Dame's spot. The fact that they're plus 225 only, Florida. So, 100 wins you 225. They won't have that good odds against Alabama in the uh, championship game. So this is saying there's a chance Florida gets in even if they lose to Alabama, it seems like. A small chance, but a lot of things would have to happen. And I'm not sure the odds are going to be that much greater in the SEC championship well, game. What's your gut feeling what the line would be against Alabama neutral? A seven. Okay. Okay. All right. So how does Cincinnati get – is Cincinnati – it's plus 550. Yep. All right, so almost 6-1. to one. How do they get in? Florida loses to Alabama in the championship. Get, that gets their Check. second loss. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame gets blown out by Clemson in the ACC title game uh-huh. and or loses to North Carolina this week in a small game. Cincinnati wins their 13th game as their conference championship game and schedules the extra game they're trying to against BYU. Gets to 14-0. and Boy, I love, and I mean like, Young RJ football fan love <laughs> the idea of one. Let's give the Pac-12 credit when they scheduled that game last Sunday, and it was like, you know, oh what, some cancellations? All right, the parks. I think the park clears out about noon. <laughs> Let's meet down there and play. I love it. It shows how much BS all this. It takes three years to schedule a game is, but boy, if you get BYU undefeated, Cincinnati undefeated, and they say let's play this thing. Boy, you better put that winner in there, I think. That's right. We are straight out of Vegas, back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 